Good afternoon, and welcome to the Anchored in Hope podcast with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards. You all hear me say A, B, C, D. <laughs> I just didn't know that thing was on. So just testing the microphone and everything. But we're glad you are here with us on today is October 27th. We are less than two months away from Christmas. Isn't that miserable? I'm thinking, oh my gosh, have mercy. But again, no, um, every day's Christmas when we sit there and we uh, do what Christ calls us to do. Um, anyway, first thing we got to do is pray. Your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We ask you, Holy Father, that you would lead us and guide us and help us. Teach us how to pray. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, welcome again to the new format we've been using until we start uh, having people come in. As I will be given like the first half or so, we'll be talking on different topics and then we'll open it up to questions. Uh, I just came out of a meeting. Usually, I, I don't have to come out of meetings, but we've been been crazy trying to get back everything since I was gone for so much about the parish and here and everything else and um, just trying to figure out the finances of all things because ever since we went to our new format um, and we give away everything for free with our Hope TV we don't have enough monthly subscribers who are going to be able to keep us uh, going so uh, really, if you would look at our Hope TV or if you watch uh, here, that you really uh, pray about becoming a monthly uh, sponsor so that we can continue doing what we do. I always say, Mother Teresa used to say, you know, uh, God has plenty of money, but it's in your pocket, she'd say. And I'd say, oh, geez, give it up, she'd say. Uh, but again, no, I always sit there after I come to one of those meetings, my mind's always spinning about, okay, all these things we've got to do. And it's not about me. It's keeping the people employed I have here at the foundation and making sure that the stuff is going out. Um, so we're re-looking at things. But again, if you're one of those ones that are faithful and watching us, I ask you to prayerfully uh, pray about being a, a monthly sponsor. That's what helps us more than anything keeping the lights on you know now i feel like mother Ter uh, mother uh, not mother Teresa, but mother angelica huh anyway so let's get into this today the topic's going to be on the lord's prayer i have a book coming out on the lord's prayer eventually it's coming out but i wanted to at least um, start bringing this stuff up to you and of course every um uh the three gospels have different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And the one we use mostly is in Matthew's uh, Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 and following. Um, but we use a little bit of the other ones too. Um, so when we do this, we just want to start with here, 
Jesus talks about what it is to pray, and we talked about this last week. He says, when you're praying, do not behave like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in synagogues or in street corners in order to be noticed. Verse 6 of Matthew chapter 6 says, whenever uh, you pray, go to your room, close your door, and pray to your Father in heaven in private. Then your Father who sees what no man sees will repay you. Now, verse 7, underline it, please. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, underline it. Do everything, because this is Jesus, huh? And he says, when you pray, do not rattle on like the pagans do. They think they will win a hearing by the sheer multiplication of words. Do not imitate them. Again, everywhere I go, uh, and I do if I'm doing a mission or on diff different things or I sing mass at the place outside of me, when I start the Lord's Prayer, I start it slowly and I try to keep everybody slowly and everybody looks at me. I have people that won't come to my church and these are friends of mine because we pray the Lord's Prayer too slow. Even people go to my daily mass, they don't like uh, slowly praying the Lord's Prayer, so they say it under their breath. Sometimes I can hear them, sometimes I cannot fast, because that's the way they're used to doing things. And of all prayers, the Lord's Prayer is not a uh, private prayer. It's always about us, always. And that's why it's so important we pray that as a community. And that's why when we dare to say it every Mass, when he says, do not rattle on like the pagans, I tell people to turn off automatic pilot. You are talking to the living God. And just to say a bunch of words, even at my mother's uh, funeral, uh, I asked every, you know, we pretty slowly, slowly prayed it. And one of the priests, one of my best friends, uh, he didn't say it to me because my mother just died, but he said it to the other priests. He came in and said, oh, if I had ever talked that way to my dad, he'd shoot me. <laughs> well, his dad was a different person. We need to enter into intimacy with the Father. And that means we got to pray what we mean and mean what we pray. So, of course, we got to slow down. Even when you slow down, doesn't mean you're really uh, praying those words. But I'm more and more convinced that most people don't just, they just say words to a God who may or may not be there. And this is what they were told to do. But boy, as we'll see when we go to the Lord's Prayer, and this is a very, very condensed. I have 10 chapters, you know, so it's like it's very condensed for me to do this in 30, 35 minutes, just so you know. I'm just going to give you the principles and say a little bit about each of them. But again, this is what we're talking about when we talk about the Lord's Prayer. So I'll just read it for you, and then we'll go on from there. Do not rattle on like the pagans. They think they will win. Uh, we already talked about it. Do not imitate them. Christ explicitly, God of the universe, forbids us to imitate them, and we do it anyway. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then he said, this is how you are to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us the wrong we have done as we forgive those who wrong us, or we say trespasses, of course. Subject us not to the trial, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then again, Jesus explicitly, explicitly tells us what this prayer is about. Verse 14, 
If you forgive the faults of others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive the faults of others, neither will your Father forgive you. You see that? So no matter what we pray, God immediately says, when you say forgive us, the way you forgive is the way God will forgive us. And that's the very uh, thing we got to really spend time with and think, am I a forgiving person, huh? Anyway, let's go on here and let us uh, break up the Lord's Prayer, if you would. And so I have it broken up into principles. Again, as I say in the beginning of the book, um, this is not a scholarly exercise. This isn't a, one of these things, a research, and we go on all this stuff. It's a way of living what Christ tells us to live. So if people sit there and uh, when they read the book are looking for scholarly research, that's not what this is about. There's plenty of books out there with scholarly research. This is about how do we live the Lord's Prayer and my reflections and the reflections of various saints and people throughout the centuries and uh, bringing them all and breaking it up to the principles. So the book is called Just Live It, Living the Ten Principles of the World's Most Famous Prayer. And the principles are, uh, I'll go through them, but these are the principles. There's the first one's the love principle, the father principle, the heaven principle, the holiness principle, the kingdom principle, the peace principle, the trust principle, the mercy principle, the strength principle, and the victory principle, the 10 principles. And it's broken up into what we say when we say the Lord's Prayer. And so it begins, of course, with the word our. So when we say the word our, automatically it cannot be my father. It's not a private thing. It's always about our. When you die, if you go to heaven, and if I go to heaven, it's not me and Jesus. It's always our. God loves us, we love him, and we love each other forever. The opening line of the book is, uh, beginning with the our chapter, is we were created by love to be love in the world that does not know love. Huh? And again, some people think that's la-la. People of God, there's nothing la-la about me. You know, nothing. Just trying to get here today. I'm screaming in the car coming up here uh, because people are not doing the driving the way they're supposed to. So I can sometimes be very unlala. And so even when I talk about these principles, I don't live these principles the way I need to live the principles. I keep praying that the Lord helps me, um, but my impatience, all the stuff that makes me me, uh, is always having to become less so God can become more. But when we start with the our principle, it says that we belong to each other and that we must love all people without condition. Because every single person that exists in the world, God created them out of love. And what we're called to do, of course, is to love them the way God loves them. They are my brothers and sisters. Think about the people that we judge, the people we don't like, the people that are another party or another religion, and we say all these horrible things, not just about people we don't know, but sometimes the people we do know. Huh? Every one of them, God created out of love. Every one of them, Jesus Christ died for. Some of them don't know it. Some of them don't care. But God loves them all. 
And if we're, when we say this prayer, as soon as we say our, we're bringing them all into a prayer with us. Again, that's why the earth, you know, again, people are going crazy on the internet about whether you can pray like this, whether you can pray like, only the priest can pray like this. And, you know, people have nothing better to do with them their lives. The way the early church prayed is everybody prayed like this. Why? Because that's the way Jesus prayed. That's the way the Jews prayed. Why? Because it shows I surrender myself to God. It shows lift me up, Father. It shows uh, I am bringing everybody with me. It's not about me. You don't have to do any of that stuff, but you must love everyone that God created. You must, you know, And so that's the point. Again, I've talked about we get closer to God the day we start hoping and praying that the person we hate the most on this earth gets to sit next to us forever in heaven. Huh? And so some of you just cringed, didn't you? But that's got to be the way we are. And again, or what we're striving to be. Again, I am in no way saying that I'm living this the way I need to live this. In no way. But I am saying that this is what the Lord's challenging me to and the Lord is challenging you to do every time we say the prayer that he taught us. Because remember, not in uh, in Luke's gospel, it says before that he teaches the Lord's prayer in a different version, of course, it says, Lord, teach us to pray. And so this is God himself teaching us to pray, right? God's teaching us. This is what he's saying to us. And again, so we got to make sure that we are getting the intention of God. It's never my, it's never me, it's always our, huh? And so the next, that's the, that's the love principle. We're called to love everyone without condition. The next principle, of course, is the word father. And so I call this the father principle. And the father principle is every one of us, our beloved sons and daughters of the father. As you've ever, if you've ever heard me say anything, I always say the Spiritual life begins when we begin where Jesus did in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. At Mark chapter 1, verse 11, of course, it was when Jesus was baptized. And so all the Christian life begins at our baptism. And so just as God the Father looked at Jesus and said, You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. The same God who created us when we were baptized and adopted us says the same thing to us. You are my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am pleased. You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am pleased. So this principle is about knowing who God is. God is love, father of love, and who I am. I am a beloved son or daughter of the father. And I don't think that most people ever get there. They just focus on, I'm a sinner, Father. Shut up. I'm just a sinner. And how insulting that is to the Father who gave his son to die, to set you free, and to adopt you. Didn't Jesus say, the Father himself loves you? But he ever experienced that love of the Father that realness where it just you're embarrassed. It's like, who, me? You know, and then we say, God, as I've talked about before in prayer, uh, when we go to prayer, we always focus on ourselves and our sinfulness and how bad we are. And God looks at us and says, um, how come you always come in your prayer and look at you? Why don't you come in your prayer and look at me? Isn't that what prayer is about? 
So the father principle is knowing who God is and knowing who we are. Father. And then we go into who art in heaven. huh? Now when we think about this, it's called the heaven principle. That we were created for heaven, not for earth. Huh? So I had a funeral the other day and I often say that this world isn't our home. Can scripture say, they say that, of course, that we were not created for Erie, Pennsylvania. Huh? Heaven's much nicer than Erie, Pennsylvania, or Pittsburgh, or London, or France, or Paris, or Australia, or wherever you're watching this from. Heaven's better. The problem is, like when I go to our parish missions, and some of them are nice places, and I'll drive around, and I think, boy, these are beautiful million-dollar houses. Nobody wants to go then, because they're quite happy here. Trust me, heaven is better. That's why Jesus said, the wealthy, it's harder for them to enter into heaven. Why? Because they cling to what's on earth. Someone who's poor doesn't cling to anything here because they don't have anything to cling to. The more we got, the more we cling to it. But we were created for heaven. So does everything I do, is that a step towards God in heaven or away from God in heaven? I have to live with heaven as my goal. And again, no one ever wants, like I say, everybody wants to go to heaven, right? Yes, Father! But nobody wants to die to get there. And it's the only way to get there. Huh? If heaven's everything we say it is, who's the one most blessed? The one that dies at two or the one that dies at 92? Two. But we don't believe that, do we? What a tragedy it is we think, because we haven't a clue about what heaven is. Eye is not seen nor ear is heard. But for those who have faith, heaven's what we were created for. I had a great, and I've talked about this in other places, but a great friend who was a Carmelite nun, and uh, she wasn't feeling good, and she went to the doctor, and the doctor says, after all the tests, sister, I'm very sorry, you have... Uh, uh, fourth stage cancer you don't have long maybe a month before you die and sister starts smiling from ear to ear and the doctor says uh, sister I don't think you understand you're gonna die and sister Christine says oh doctor I don't think you understand either way I win if I live I'm with Jesus if I die I'm with Jesus either way I'm with Jesus is that what we mean when we say, who are in heaven, that I want to be in heaven, that I long for that, that I know that's my home to be with my Father, this is the heaven principle. Who are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. This is the holiness principle, huh? To hallow God's name means that we're making God's name holy or we're proclaiming it holy. God is holy with or without us. But the best way for us to make God's name holy is to be holy ourselves. So there's two ways that people can look at us. They can either look at us and curse God, or they could look at us and bless God. If they look at us and bless God, we're holying, hollowing the name of God. And that's got to be what we mean. But again, think about when you pray the Lord's Prayer, is this what you're thinking about? This is what I'm thinking about. Is this what the world's thinking about every time they say it? Are they just saying a prayer to get it over and done? 
I think too often it's just saying a prayer to get over and done. But when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, Lord, may I hallow and make people look at you and praise you for my life because I'm living a holy life and it points to you. Like Mary did, huh? When she was at the Magnificat. She prayed the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She hallowed the name of God by the way she lived and by pointing everyone to God, not to her. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Is that the way we live our life? Not pointing to ourselves, but pointing to him. Again, not living this well, but it's still the principle the Lord calls all of us to live, especially me. Point, point, point to him, not me. Hallowed be thy name, the holiness principle. The next principle is the kingdom principle. Thy kingdom come. So when the early church prayed this, they were praying, of course, for the end of the world. Huh? May it come today. Please let your kingdom come. But it's also about bringing about God's kingdom to others, being a vehicle of God's love and then bringing other people into the kingdom. It's also about building God's kingdom, not our own. So when we are... Uh, all of the gifts that we have. Do we just take our gifts to make money for us and our family and have enough in the bank for us and make sure we're okay? Or do I use my gifts for the building of God's holy kingdom? I was given every gift that I've been given to build the kingdom of God, not to bring my, build my kingdom. But what most people do is they build their own kingdoms, and if there's anything left, they'll help build the kingdom of God with all their gifts, but we were called to build up God's kingdom, thy kingdom come. So we invite other people into the kingdom and we build up his kingdom, not our kingdom. So again, how do I live that? Am I building God's kingdom? And if you say, oh yes, Father, what are you doing to build God's kingdom? Why give money? That's nice. God has plenty of money. Are you giving your talents for the building up of God's kingdom? Huh? Like right now in my own parish, I'm trying to find a finance director, a music director, and everybody has other things to do, trying to find all the different people I try to find. I just think uh, we're going to refocus on what we're going to be doing as a parish. And I'm just thinking, if people just use their gifts to build up the kingdom of God, we would have a fantastic parish. And I just think that's one of the most important things, that we build up the kingdom of God. So that when we die for the last time, we know every day is a death for our God and his kingdom. It's no big deal. We've already done it many, many, many times. And God is always faithful. Okay? Thy kingdom come, the kingdom principle. Chapter 6, the sixth principle is thy will be done. I call that the peace principle. The old thing in the um, paradisia is a nun, he meets someone along the way and he, he meets a nun and she says, in his will is our peace. So when we're living God's will, 
again, it goes back to the holiness principle. But what is holiness when God's will and our will become one? So this is the principle where I really ask God to help me to please him. The other day I was at Dr. Ray and we were filming uh, some stuff for a show. So usually it gives me eight minutes uh, a show. Uh, there's two shows coming out next year where I'm on, oh, about 35, 40 minutes. And so he asked me to talk about the difference between a disciple and someone who goes to church. And I said, a humongous difference. Someone who goes to church and are always asking God, you know, give me strength, help me, do this for me, da-da-da, is someone about themselves. But someone who's a disciple is always about, God, what do you want of me? So again, I say, if people would pray this prayer the way they mean it, it would be our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, my will be done. Please bless it on earth as it is in heaven. But that's not what it is. It's your will be done, which means... Again, the seminarians were at my church a couple of weeks ago, and I said, had him stand up, and everybody applaud. And I said, now don't get so filled with yourself. You have one purpose in life. What's your one purpose in life, gentlemen? To do God's holy will. Now, someone uh, who doesn't like me uh, sat there and says, now, Father Larry will tell you that you're supposed to do God's holy will, but that's just a way of him manipulating people. Okay. Jesus is the one who said it, not Father Larry. Father Larry's a jerk, huh? Just so if, in case you want to write this stuff and just say, okay, I agree with you. But it's about doing God's will, not our own will. And often we want to do religion our way. We want to do my will. We want God to make sure. And when we do that, we're making God jump through our hoops. We're making him our slave. Always again, Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. The Blessed Mother said, fiat. Let it be done to me. We need, when we say this prayer, say, I exist to do your will. So again, people have come to me throughout the years and say, Father, I'm mad at God. I said, what are you mad at God for? Because I've been praying for something um, and I haven't got it. I go, oh, so that's prayer. God, give me what I want or I'm mad. Or someone will say, Father, I'm having a bad day. I can relate to these last, this last year. And I'll say, did you thank God for your bad day? I did not. And I said, did you say the Lord's Prayer? I did. And did you say, thy will be done? I did. Well, this is Lord, the, the Lord's will for you, except for sin, of course. So why didn't you thank him for it? Well, that's not what I meant. Exactly. What we really mean too often is, Lord, please bless me and do my will. This is what I want you to do. And so when we're praying the prayer, we got to be silent for a moment after we say that, thy will be done. So he goes, good. I want to tell you what I want you to do now. Oh, do I have to listen to this if you really mean the prayer? Jesus didn't give us a little prayer that we can say real fast. That's why every time I ever give, 99.9% uh, 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 of the times for these 33 years I've been ordained, when I've heard confessions, I give the same, same penance. One our Father. And they always say, well, that's not enough, Father. I don't think that's enough. And I always say, well, nobody asked you. And then I'll sit there and say that it's the perfect prayer of Jesus. If I give you 10 Our Fathers and 10 Hail Marys, what are you going to do? Our Father, in heaven, I'll abandon that kingdom. Our Father, in heaven, I'll abandon that kingdom. Our Father, in heaven, did I say 10? I better do another one just in case. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think God in heaven sometime went, oh, shut up. Give me one and mean it. So I always say, say a slow Our Father. Let it echo through your very being. Huh? Again, 
in in the uh, book, this is the book right here, all these things. Um, this is an old thing, but if I, okay, I don't have time, but at the beginning of each chapter, I ask people to be still, to breathe, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you this principle, and then slowly say the prayer. And uh, again, people are going to just want to read the book. Let me just read the book, or they're not going to really want to read the book. I don't want anybody just to read the book. I want them to pray the book, to uh, really ask the Spirit of the living God to reveal to you these things, if they're real or not. Huh? Is it Father Larry just uh, saying a bunch of stuff? I give plenty of scripture for everything I talk about in here. And again, I'm just giving you a very, 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 very fast reality here. Anyway, so it's thy will be done, not me, on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody in heaven always does God's will. And if we're doing God's will the way we know we're doing God's will is because we have peace. And again, I go through that in much greater detail in the book. Give us this day. It's called the trust principle. We must trust God as our Father. So when we ask, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking him daily for bread. First of all, it's a Eucharistic thing that they were praying that the daily bread was the Eucharist. But secondly, the daily bread is that just for me to survive. God, I can't do anything. I can't even think about this, that we can't even take our next breath without God saying, Okay, you can have that breath now. We are so dependent upon him. So when I'm asking God for my daily bread, I'm asking God for everything I need and I'm trusting him to take care of everything I need for today. And that's a great principle. When we really trust in God instead of trusting in me. Again, we go as St. Augustine says, we do everything, you know, he said he talks about when you're in a boat, Row as if everything depends on you and trust as if everything depends on God. We got to do our part, which I'm going to be talking about when it comes to the temptation here thing in a bit. But we got to trust too. So the sixth, uh, seventh principle is give us this day our daily bread. It's called the trust principle. The eighth principle is called the mercy principle. And that is, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we're telling God, if I forgive others, forgive me. If I don't forgive others, damn me. Every time I say the prayer. So is that what you mean? Every time you say and forgive us as we forgive. So you got to think about every time you say that prayer before you say it, have I forgiven everybody? If not, then you're saying to God, damn me, because I refuse to forgive them. So God says explicitly in Matthew's gospel, as I read in the beginning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you forgive others, your father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive you. So in the mercy principle means that we, to receive mercy, we must give mercy. I use the example again and again of the divine mercy. Do I have divine mercy? And the divine mercy, you take your hand and you place it into the heart of Christ and his mercy comes through you. Now, if you don't put your hand out to someone else, it'll die in you. But if you extend your hand to give mercy to someone else, then mercy goes through you to someone else. So you receive mercy and you give mercy. That's the only way to receive it. Like again, if you ever go to the Holy Land, and again, I encourage you, I still have spaces on my Holy Land trip, May 10th, uh, to come. And when you get to see the, the Dead Sea and you get to see Galilee, Galilee's alive and filled with life and breath and fish and all kinds of great things, and the Dead Sea's dead. Why? 
Galilee receives water and it gives water. The Dead Sea just receives. It doesn't give, and so it's dead. So you cannot just receive mercy. You must give it for it to be real and for you to experience true mercy. So if you go to confession or if you go to say, God, give me mercy, he says, I will. Will you give others mercy? I will not. Then I can't give you mercy. That's why some of you went to confession again and again and didn't feel anything because you have a heart that will not forgive other people. And again, you might say, well, they, uh, what, uh, what, what, what? they did me, I'll never forgive them. Well, again, gentlemen and ladies, you and I have killed Jesus Christ every day when we sin. And every time we go to the Father and say, please forgive me for killing your son, never once has he said, that's enough. Every day you ask me forgiveness and then you kill him again the next day. That's enough. If he doesn't say that to you, you can't say it to anybody else. How many times must I forgive? They asked Jesus seven times, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. We won't even forgive some people after they hurt us once. Well, they didn't ask. Yeah, when Jesus was on the cross, nobody asked him for forgiveness. And it was the first thing out of his mouth, or one of the first things. Father, forgive them. And Jesus tells us, love one another as I have loved you. This is hard prayer, isn't it? If we mean what we pray and pray and live what we pray. It's a hard prayer but it's also a prayer that will give you and me freedom, true freedom, okay? Next principle is the strength principle, and lead us not into temptation. And again, this is where St. Francis, Pope Francis was uh, complained because he says, this isn't, the translation is bad. Why? And he says, because God does not lead us into temptation, Right? In fact, Paul, I mean, uh, James says that in the Word of God. It says, God cannot lead you into temptation. He can give you strength into temptation. He can help you in the midst of temptation. Even this week, it was quite interesting. Um, when I'm taping this, the, the Holy Father had a, uh, a meeting with seminarians in Rome. And then they ask him questions. So someone asked about, you know, all social media and that kind of stuff. And then the Holy Father said about priests and nuns, he says, you got to watch because there are priests and nuns, and he's talking to seminarians, that are into pornography. And he said, I'm not talking about the sick stuff, sadomasochism and that kind of stuff or, you know, the other. He's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ordinary pornography. And when they look at it on their phones or different things, and this isn't just for priests and nuns, but it's amazing the Holy Father would explicitly say this. They open the door to Satan or to the devil. So what we're asking God when we say, lead us not into temptation, it says, give me the strength on my part to not do the things that are going to lead me and open the door to Satan in my life. Huh? So if you do that kind of stuff, you know, again, it's not just porn, it's gossip, whatever it is. You're opening the door to the evil one to come into your life. And so you're asking God for strength that you don't fall in to that, give in to that temptation. 
Hmm? So we got to do our part. It's not like I told the poor people today. It says, okay, well, because the, the, the day the reading is uh, from Ephesians, and it says, put on the armor of God so you can fight against the devil. And we got to fight against the devil. And I said, it got to be more than saying the St. Michael prayer. Because the St. Michael prayer, you're asked. But again, I know people would say the St. Michael prayer every day, but they're still addicted to porn. And they're still doing all the bad things. The prayer, just saying a fast prayer does not make it happen. So that's why St. Paul says, and again, that's an important thing to, of course, say the prayer. But you got to do more than say the St. Michael prayer. You got to put on the armor of God. That's the point to put on the armor of God, the shield of faith, the the Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible, that you got to read the Bible every day. Again, something with porn, the statistics, if you read the Bible uh, five times a day, you can be set free from that addiction. Not five times a day, five times a week, minimum. Because the Word of God comes in and starts changing you. We just want to say a quick prayer and let it all be done. We got to work with God and get his strength. And then we got to strengthen our brothers and sisters. You know, again, I have the men's group up here we founded called uh, 2232 Men. And 2232 Men is from Luke chapter 22, verse 32. And it's it's St. Jesus speaking to St. Peter and says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned, that you will strengthen your brothers. When the devil picks us off by ourselves, it's easy to fall and give in to temptation. But when we're bands of brothers and bands of brothers and sisters, we come together in prayer, the devil runs. So you got to do more than just saying a fast prayer. You and I got to do our part. And then we come to the last principle, and it's called the victory principle. Deliver us from evil. Again, as I was talking about up in with Dr. Ray, I says, too many Catholics are acting like uh, uh, they have no faith. Like, oh, who's going to be elected next? Oh, the world's bad. Oh, and they go on and on and on. I said, please. Do we not know how everything ends? Do we not know who holds all creation in his hands? We got to do our part, of course. But whether we fail or whether we don't, God wins. We know the end of the book. This, we know how the ends. Jesus Christ wins. Do you believe that? Then we got to live in victory instead of living in all this despair and all this. You know, the, I, I just want to run because I think, are you really sure you're a follower of Jesus? That you're so filled with despair and all you do is complain about the world and all this stuff and we know how this ends. Jesus wins. It's the victory principle. We say every single time we say the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. And I said to my poor people this morning, listen to me at Mass, I says, does Jesus Christ not live inside of you? Yes, Father. Well, who's more powerful, the devil or Jesus? Well, Jesus. Well, then start acting like it. Jesus Christ lives inside of us. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Not in ourselves. We're pretty weak in ourselves, right? If we're going to deliver us from evil, we let Jesus live his life through us. Galatians 2, 19 and 20. And then we'll have a life of victory. Okay? So, it's 39 minutes. I'm sorry about that. So, I just wanted to, that's the the 10 principles of the Lord's Prayer. Very, 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 very shortened. Again, the, the book Every chapter explains all that and goes in much greater detail and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get to it then, but at least we got this. Okay, you got it? 
You get it? Gonna live it? And may you know his love today and forever. Amen. Let's go and get some questions here. Okay. Hi, Bruce. Big game, I hope. Good evening, Father. Uh, let us not fall into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Harry, good spoken about that. It was a great lead in there, uh, Harry. Good afternoon. Our parish is uh, looking to bring back serving the precious blood. There is some pushback from the parishioners. Is St. Joseph looking to bring it back to Mass? No, because uh, our bishop isn't. But again, when you receive the body, the host, you're receiving the body and the blood. Huh? It's not, it's just, you know, I always say why. Because, you know, Trent already dealt with this. You know, again, so I would see pushback. I'm, uh, I'm not ready for that yet either. Not because there's no faith. Of course, there's faith. But again, again, like I told you the other day, if you really have, oh, doesn't matter. It's, it's God. Well, if you believe in faith, will you go to the fly and uh, go and fly up in a, when you're 35,000 up in an airplane, jump out with no parachute. Come on, you have faith, don't you? Where's your faith? It's all the same. God gave us a mind, so we got to do both things. We got to think, we got to act prudently, prudence, one of the virtues, and we got to have faith. I, I mean, again, people, I sit there and say, well, again, if you have faith and, okay, I want to receive both, well, go for it. But also, if you have faith and Jesus said, go sell all that you own and give it to the poor, are you going to do that? Well, no, well, Jesus said that explicitly, explicitly that you got to do that kind of stuff. You want to be perfect, go sell all your own and give it to the poor. So when people sit there and start hitting me with this, uh, and you're not doing that, but people usually do, they come back at me and say, where's your faith? And I just say, oh, please, I have plenty. Can I, does that have to increase? Of course, but that's not one of the things that has to increase because the teaching of the church is, I get the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the host or the precious blood. You get both. You don't get more if you receive both the cup and the precious body. You don't get more. It's the same reality. So I don't think people have the right theology either. So what are your thoughts on Father Rippinger and his book on deliverance prayer for the laity? I have no idea. I've never even heard of it. Is it safe to use to feel there's a diabolic oppression such as a relationship in your life? Again, like I say, it's, it's Jesus lives inside of you. So if you get out of the way and let Jesus deal with things, I think you can, especially in your own life. Now, on other people, I would always sit there. I think we need, uh, uh, we need more power with that with a priest. But again, God can use lay people. He has throughout the years. Okay. Father Larry, God bless you and all you do. In recent news, I heard that the sin of sanity was extended due to lack of participation. I haven't seen anything in my parish about it. Um, well, we've already done it. We did it months ago. And it was open. Again, some priests don't want to do it. So if they, it might be up to your pastor, but every, uh, every church is doing it. You know, and some people say uh, they're going against it and thinking it's shared uh, ignorance. You know, it's called the census of the people. It's in Vatican too that the Spirit of God speaks through all. But no matter what, when it all comes together, we're just seeing where the Spirit's calling us to go, but we're not going to go against what Jesus Christ taught, huh? And the scriptures taught. Now you got to sit there and watch that because, you know, just again, in Ephesians this past week, what does Paul say? Paul says, uh, slaves be obedient to your masters. And he does a little thing on slavery and the scriptures, uh, especially in all in the old Testament and the new Testament talk about slavery, but none of us would think about going uh, and having slaves. 
but it's in Scripture. You know, and that's how people for many uh, centuries would okay their slaveries because, well, Scriptures talk about it, and Scriptures okay it, and then we grew beyond that. So again, the Lord can still be calling us again, but always, always remember the teaching of the church is an opinion. It isn't uh, people that vote on things. That's not what we're talking about here. The official teaching of the church is the magisterium. That's the Pope and the bishops in union sin. So we need the bishops now. You're always going to have one or two people that don't agree and fight and all that kind of stuff. But when most of the bishops and the Pope agree, that's the official teaching of the church. And as we talked about last week, it's the living magisterium. It didn't die 2,000 years ago. God is still alive, okay? Uh, What's amazing, you haven't heard anything in your diocese. Again, it could be up to your bishop. Your bishop might be one of those that says it's not of God. But again, I think it was very powerful and we did it here. Hi, Father Larry. I have a question on prayer. When I pray for someone who is living in sin, am I being judgmental? Of course not. We know when people are living in sin. You don't have to go up and tell them, but I pray all the time for people that are in sin. Uh, You got to do that. And scriptures are clear about that in John when someone is, but if they're in deadly sin, it says their prayer doesn't, isn't as helpful. But I think uh, that's where we get mortal sin and venial sin. This is in the letter of John, 1 John. Uh, and talks about praying for people in sin that they will be set free. Hi, Father Larry. I have a question on prayer, okay? Harry, I was taught the Lord's Prayer when I was five. I didn't work out that which you pray. You're supposed to mean it, understand it, and be able to honestly say amen to it. I was 55 when I got that. Yep, and amen. We have a whole thing on amen, too, which I didn't get to, but I have to get to other things today, but good. Is it on the Lord's Prayer yet? No, that's what I just talked about. It's coming. It's coming, the book. I just gave you the first, uh, you got the first glimpses of what the the book is going to be and the chapters, and you got the 10 chapters right there, and there's the epilogue on amen, and for thine is the kingdom for Protestants that read it. Anyway, any suggestions for writing, ridding oneself of disorderly attachments? I pray to God and Mary about the worldly distraction of Twitter and have deactivated my account too many times to count, gratefully, SW. Well, if it's a distraction to you, it isn't bringing you close to Jesus. Just do it and do it for Christ. But some of those things, like I'm on all that stuff, but I bring light to the darkness by bringing scripture every morning and every night. So again, you can bring goodness to it. Like I don't, I don't say I don't. Rarely, very rarely, I don't look at comments and I don't look at anything unless one I'm going to post in the morning at night and I'm the one that posts everything. I'm the one that writes everything. I do all my posting except if I'm out of town. I do it all on every single thing it comes out on. And uh, I do it specifically to bring the light into the darkness of all these various problematic uh, social media things. But I don't stay there. huh? Uh, I do in the uh, morning usually get my... On, on Facebook, on your phone, you can read the, their news, and they take news from all different kinds of places. And I like having news from all different kinds of places so I can find truth in the midst of it somewhere. And so I like it because they bring all the different uh, uh, Fox News, CNN, and they're bringing it all in so I can look at all the different things and I can look at more. So, But most of the stuff I never look at at all. Okay. Uh, always learn, so uh, thank you, da da Heidi Hartley. Hi, Heidi. Thank you for your online presence. I enjoyed your teachings and college student. I know. Good job, Heidi. Um, and I'm happy to have found this and now to share with my son. Good job. Mary Claire. Good to, thanks for saying that. 
Mary Claire Dempsey, Father Larry, love this talk. We'll probably listen to this a couple of times. Question about confession and penance. My pastor regularly gives three Our Fathers, and I ask him how penance is going to reduce my time in purgatory. So I ask you about this. When Our Father does what? It isn't about reducing your time in purgatory. It's about doing a penance for what you've done. And again, Jesus did the full penance by dying on the cross. So don't ever think about anything as, what am I going to get out of it? Always think that this is my way to bring healing to the hurt that I've done. So again, penance is that thing. It's not about, oh, I want to get out of bring you, you hurt the body of Christ. Now you've got to bring healing to the body of Christ. And your penance will help do that. Don't make it a selfish thing. How much time do I get out of purgatory? I hope to never go to purgatory. And how would that happen? Getting last rites before I die, getting a, a, a plenary indulgence at the moment of death, teaching of the church. So don't waste your time on thinking about purgatory. You can pray for a happy death, but know that your penance is to bring healing. And the Our Father, the way I, the reason I give that, is because it brings healing to the church. Why? Because there's no more perfect prayer. Because this is the prayer that Jesus taught us. And so, it's the perfect prayer, period. And so to say it once, it isn't about, why oh, get out of purgatory faster, get over yourself. Why bring healing to the body? Yes, you will. Okay? Okay, my grandnephew has been very ill since May. His mom has been exhausting every possible way to promote his healing. She has been taking him to Reiki. It's my understanding it's frowned upon. Yeah, because it's, uh, it can be, but I don't know all about it. I have a parishioner who practices it, and she asked me about it, and I just says, you know, everything is how you use it. You know, people use yoga to exercise every day, but they don't do any of the yoga uh, meditations, if you will. And I said, well, that would be okay because you're not entering in, you know, it's exercise is what it is. It's breathing and all that kind of stuff, all things God gave us. But if you enter into you're the center of the universe instead of God, that's where it becomes problematic. So again, uh, like some people, like some religions won't let people get blood transfusions. And we've always said you can get a blood transfusion. So we use what God has given us as long as it's bringing glory to him and not to ourselves or to some other type reality okay there's my donation i give now the foundation cord so hope to be i goes to everything together there bruce so let's go i have some other questions here thank you for those who ask questions online we only got 10 minutes um so i'm confused father larry oh, that's nice i'm confused sometimes too you said we are blessed not so much because what God did for me, but rather what I could be, that I could be a blessing for others. I like that. But then you said we shouldn't be focused on the holy things that we do for others. When you talk about don't be focused on the holy things I do for others, that means I don't go around and tell people this is what I do for others. I do it quietly, period, for God. You know, so again, remember the readings we use for every Ash Wednesday, the church, you know, when you pray, go to your room and pray. When you give alms, don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. But we be a blessing to others 
because that's how when God blesses, that's the same thing when I just did with mercy. God gives us a blessing so we can give blessings to others. It doesn't end in ourselves, but I don't go around talking about how I, I uh, did that. So it's both, but it's always about others. I hope I got your question right. Father Larry, would you mind explaining some of the Catholic meaning of the world hope? Hope is always, you know, it's faith. Like faith believes that things that God says something, so he's going to do it. And hope is believing that that will take place now or in the future. So that means no matter how dark it gets, a hopeful person knows that this isn't the end. You know, when I'm with people that are dying, and I, I like when I was with my mother, and I said, Mom, you're going to be able to see Jesus soon. Get excited. That's hope. It's believing what Jesus Christ did for her, but it's the hope that it is going to take place. Again, in the world, when I talk about, when I founded this foundation, it says always be ready to give the reason for your hope. So that means we always got to know how things end. We always got to know that God makes all things work together for good. We always know that in my life, even like, like this, again, someone just said to me, he says, you've had the worst year, and someone just emailed me today, you've had the worst year of your whole life, Father. I'm very sorry, and I've been praying for you. Hope is knowing that this is just one season of my life, that God has great plans for me, and God has great plans for the world. When he created the world, he knew everything bad that would happen, and yet he still created it. And he says he's the Alpha and the Omega. So that's why hope always looks at the horizon of uh God is true to his word, and it's going to take place. I was reading a book once by uh, the Dalai Lama, and he doesn't understand the word hope, and he didn't get it at all. And he talks about uh, hope looks towards the future, but we need to focus on now. We need to focus on both now and the future. That, okay, you know, God has a plan. It's going to be good. You know, again, I'm sure you, uh, and the, the thing, that heard the story of two kids. One was a very uh, uh, optimistic kid, and the other one was very depressed. And so the, the parents said, okay, we got to do something for these kids to get them around. And uh, so the, uh, the kid that uh, was very op uh, uh, depressive and everything else, they got him a, uh, something very good, and he goes, oh, is that all? But then the kid who was very uh, optimistic, which is hope on steroids, way, hopes way beyond optimism, but he got a whole room full of horse manure. And the kid was smiling and he goes in there and he starts digging all the horse manure and they're going, what are you doing? He said, with all this manure, there gotta be a pony here somewhere. He was a man of hope. He didn't focus just on the manure, even though he was in the midst of it. He was focused on there got to be a pony or a horse with all this manure around. So God promises that all things are going to work together. We are going to be fine. You got it? You get it? Are you going to live it? Nature and Noah's love today and forever. Amen. Okay, no, I'm praying for you. Know that I love you and... Uh, I pray for you every day, and I just ask you to please pray for me and pray for the foundation, okay? 
The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. See you next week, God willing.